41 of Genesis. And I'm going to read verses 37 through 57. And then go to Genesis 47. And then I'm going to read verses 13 through 26. So Genesis 41, verses 37 through 57. And then chapter 47 of Genesis, verses 13 through 26. And uh, we're just, it's a lot of scriptures, so rather than trying to switch back and forth and find those scriptures, I'll read the whole passages that we're going to cover, and then I'll refer to them as we see how they pertain to Joseph in the scripture as we go along. But beginning with, uh, again, chapter 41, with verse 37, and it says, So the advice was good in the eyes of Pharaoh and in the eyes of all of his servants. And Pharaoh said to his servants, Can we find such a one as this, speaking of Joseph, a man in whom is the Spirit of God? The Pharaoh said to Joseph, Inasmuch as God has shown you all this, there is no one as discerning and wise as you. You shall be over my house, and all my people shall be ruled according to your word. Only in regard to the throne will I be greater than you. And Pharaoh said to Joseph, See, I have set you over all the land of Egypt. Then Pharaoh took his signet ring off his hand, and he put it on Joseph's hand. And he clothed him in garments of fine linen, and he put a gold chain around his neck. And he had him ride in the second chariot, which he had. And they cried out before him, Bow the knee. So he set him over all the land of Egypt. Pharaoh also said to Joseph, I am Pharaoh. And without your consent, no man may lift his hand or foot in all the land of Egypt. And Pharaoh called Joseph's name zaphnath paneah And he gave him as a wife, Asnath, the daughter of Potipharah, priest of On. So Joseph went out over all the land of Egypt. Joseph was 30 years old when he stood before Pharaoh, king of Egypt. And Joseph went out from the presence of Pharaoh and went throughout all the land of Egypt. Now, in the seven plentiful years, the ground brought forth abundantly. So he gathered up all the food of the seven years which were in the land of Egypt, and he laid up the food in the cities. He laid up in every city the food of the fields which surrounded them. Joseph gathered very much grain as the sand of the sea until he stopped counting because it was immeasurable. And to Joseph were born two sons before the years of famine came. Whom Asnath, the daughter of Potipharah, priest of On, bore to him. Joseph called the name of the firstborn Manasseh, which meant, or which means, for God has made me forget all my toil and all my father's house. And the name of his second son he called Ephraim, which means, for God has caused me to be fruitful in the land of my affliction. Then the seven years of plenty which were in the land of Egypt ended. And the seven years of famine began to come, as Joseph had said. The famine was in all the lands, but in all the land of Egypt there was bread. So when all the land of Egypt was famished, the people cried to Pharaoh for bread. And then Pharaoh said to all the Egyptians, Go to Joseph, whatever he says to you, do. The famine was over all the face of the earth. And Joseph opened all the storehouses and sold to the Egyptians. And the famine became severe in the land of Egypt, so all the countries came to Joseph in Egypt to buy grain because the famine was severe in all the land. So let's go to chapter 47 now, beginning with verse 13 through 26. Now there was no bread in all the land, for the famine was very severe, so that the land of Egypt and the land of Canaan languished because of the famine. And Joseph gathered up all the money that was found in the land of Egypt and in the land of Canaan for the grain which they bought. And Joseph brought the money into Pharaoh's house. So when the money failed in the land of Egypt and in the land of Canaan, all the Egyptians came to Joseph and said, Give us bread, for why should we die in your presence? For the money has failed. Then Joseph said, Give your livestock, and I will give you bread for your livestock if the money is gone. So they brought their livestock to Joseph, and Joseph gave them bread in exchange for the horses, the flocks, the cattle of the herds, and for the donkeys. Thus he fed them with bread in exchange for all of their livestock that year. When that year had ended, they came to him the next year and said to him, 
We will not hide from my Lord that our money is gone. My Lord also has our herds of livestock. There is nothing left in the sight of my Lord but our bodies and our lands. Why should we die before your eyes, both we and our land? Buy us and our land for bread, and we and our land will be servants of Pharaoh. Give us seed that we may live and not die, that the land may not be desolate. Then Joseph bought all the land of Egypt for Pharaoh. For every man of the Egyptians sold his field because the famine was severe upon them. So the land became Pharaoh's. And as for the people, he moved them, that is Joseph, he moved them into cities from one end of the borders of Egypt to the other end. Only the land of the priests he did not buy, for the priests had rations allotted to them by Pharaoh, and they ate their rations which Pharaoh gave them, therefore they did not sell their lands. Then Joseph said to the people, Indeed, I have bought you and your lamb this day for Pharaoh. Look, here is seed for you, and you shall sow the lamb. And it shall come to pass in the harvest that you shall give one-fifth to Pharaoh, four-fifths shall be your own, as seed for the field and for your food, for those of your households and as food for your little ones. So they said, You have saved our lives. Let us find favor in the sight of my Lord." And we will be Pharaoh's servants. And Joseph made it a law over the land of Egypt to this day that Pharaoh should have one-fifth except for the land of the priests, only which did not become Pharaoh's. The title this evening is Joseph the Leader. So far in our story of Joseph, he has had some pretty hard times. In spite of God's word of a promising future. And up to this point in our story, Joseph hasn't experienced any of that, 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 anything that looked promising. But here we'll see that his patience and his passion and his integrity starts to pay off. Joseph will now be seen as a leader in the Egyptian government. And Joseph is now starting to see the light of God shining down on his dark days. And those dark days will be memories of his past. Joseph is now going to have the status of a ruler, a high-ranking ruler. He's going to be a government official, and he's going to have the respect of a ruler. The scene is a palace. Think of it. He's gone from a dungeon now to a palace. All eyes are on Joseph now. Remember, Joseph was once a slave. He was accused of rape. He was an ex-con. Can you imagine what the people were thinking and saying? Now he's in second command of Egypt. The only one higher than him is Pharaoh, the king or the king of Egypt. You know, so there was there had to be this talk going on. Now, well, is Pharaoh going to believe now? Is Pharaoh going to believe the things that Joseph tells him and how to deal with this famine that's coming? Will Pharaoh believe Joseph's revelations? And will Pharaoh do what Joseph instructs him to do to, get the, to spare the lives of the people in the land uh, in this famine? Yes, Pharaoh believes Joseph. And he right away does what Joseph tells him to do. He does what's needed to obey Joseph. The best appointment that Pharaoh ever made was to make Joseph second in command of his government. Joseph's spiritual life was the first qualification that Pharaoh mentions as a requirement for the job. In Genesis 41, 38, we read through this. He says, and Pharaoh said to his servants, can we find such a one as this? Speaking of Joseph, a man in whom is the spirit of God. Can you imagine if those elected to government positions how much better our government and society would be if they were men and women who were filled with the Spirit of God. Joseph rose from the dungeon, a prison house, to the palace on Pharaoh's decree. We read in 41, verse 4, uh, chapter 41, verse 40 through 41, he says, Pharaoh says to Joseph, you shall be over my house and all my people shall be ruled according to your word. Joseph, whatever you say, they have to do only in regard to the throne will i be greater than you and pharaoh said to joseph see i have set you joseph over the land of egypt 
I mean, this was a, a big-time promotion for Joseph. It was also a great pardon for Joseph. You see, it does pay to live a pure life. It does pay to be patient and to live a holy life before God. It does pay to, to, to live truth because truth will win out. It always will. And you will be honored in due time. The psalmist said in Psalm 37, 1 through 9, Do not fret because of evildoers, nor be envious of the workers of iniquity. For they shall soon be cut down like the grass and wither as the green herb. He said, trust in the Lord and do good. Dwell in the land and feed on his faithfulness. Feed on God's faithfulness. Many times we feed on our problems. We feed on our, on our situation. We feed on our negative circumstances. But the psalmist said, feed on God's faithfulness, his goodness, his promises, not your circumstances. He goes on to say, delight yourself also in the Lord, and he shall give you the desires of your heart. Now, many times this scripture is taken out of context. When a lot of people say, oh, you know, you know, pray for this, ask for that, because God will give you the desires of your heart. And sometimes, you know, oh, I, I want that car, I want that house, I want this, this over here. And, and, you know, we use it like it's a, it's a, a scripture for you know, anything that I want. It says that God's going to give me the desires of my heart. Our desires have to be in line with God's desires. And we need to understand that. You know, if God wants somebody to be saved, or, which he does, he wants everybody to be saved, or, or, or God, you know, his word speaks of, of certain things for people. You know, as long as our prayer is in line with his prayer, he said he'll give us the desires of our heart. And so he says, delight yourself in the Lord, and he'll give you the desires of your heart. Notice, delight yourself in the Lord. He said, commit your way. The word commit means to roll over. Commit your way, whatever you're going through, what are your circumstances, roll them over onto the Lord. And it says, trust also in him, and he shall bring it to pass. He shall bring forth your righteousness as the light and your justice as the noonday. He says, rest in the Lord and wait patiently for him. Notice, we wait, but many times not patiently. Wait patiently for him. Do not fret. That is, do not worry, do not become anxious because of him who prospers in his way, because of the man who brings wicked schemes to pass. Cease from anger and forsake wrath. Do not fret, it only causes harm. For evildoers shall be cut off, but those who wait on the Lord, they shall inherit the earth. This is the fourth time that Joseph was made an overseer of someone's house. When we first started the, the character of Joseph, First, it was his parents' house. His dad put him, you know, in charge of the family. Then when he got sold into slavery and he was in Potiphar's house, then Potiphar put him overseer of his house. And then in prison, Potiphar put him as the overseer of the prisoner's house. And now he's overseer of the king's house. He had proven his faithfulness in each of those lesser responsibilities. And just as Jesus says in Luke 16, 10, he who is faithful in what is least is faithful also in much. In Joseph's promotion, he was over all the people. The Pharaoh, the king, was the only one that outranked him. And he said in chapter 41, verse 40, only in regard to the throne will I be greater than you, Joseph. And all of this happened at just the right time in Joseph's life. And we've heard the saying that says, timing is everything. You know, and, and, and Isaiah says that sometimes God will make us wait to be gracious to us. You know, sometimes we pray for something and, and, and naturally we want it right away. Oh, we don't want to wait. We want it now. We need it right away. But God many times makes us wait because he wants to be more gracious to us. He wants to give us better than what we're asking for. So often we settle for second best. But God wants us to have the best. And sometimes that doesn't come right away. Like here for Joseph. You know, he'd been spent time in prison and he wanted to get out. The butler forgot to talk to the Pharaoh about it. And he spent more time in prison. But again, Joseph now, what he's been in this high office of government, the timing was perfect for this. The timing of Joseph's promise was, uh, promotion was very important. Joseph was 30 years old when he received this promotion. 
This meant that Joseph had spent 13 tough years in Egypt before he was delivered. Now, we all want to be delivered out of our tough times and circumstances, and we want it now. But many times the wisdom and the purpose of God stops that from happening because he has a greater plan. If Joseph had been delivered sooner, especially before the butler and the baker had their dreams, he probably would have gone back to Canaan and had been and experienced more miserable circumstances. So it not only wouldn't have been good for him, but also for Pharaoh, because he wouldn't have had his dreams interpreted. Joseph would have missed his great promotion and the blessings that came with those promotions, and also the blessing for Egypt and Canaan. They they would have perished in the famine. It was all in the timing. The effects of the famine would have been felt everywhere by everyone. This is a powerful lesson not to be so fast to criticize the providence of God. In other words, it's a time to learn this lesson not to be angry with God and to criticize God. And Lord, what are you doing? How come you're not doing anything? How come you're not moving faster than you are? Again, he's God and and he's all wise and he sees all things and he knows all things and he knows what's best. The timing may not be the best for us to get a a particular prayer answered now. So we shouldn't be so fast to criticize the providence of God, the hand of God, his moving in our life when it seems to be taking its sweet time. Now we know that waiting on the Lord is hard. It is very difficult. It's hard on our flesh. But those who wait patiently on the Lord Those who don't wait patiently on the Lord, they're not going to receive God's best. Remember Abraham when he got tired of waiting for the promise of Isaac, the promise of the son? He got tired of waiting and Sarah got tired of waiting. And remember then Isaiah and Sarah, they take things into their own hands. And Isaac has a son, Ishmael, with Sarah's handmaid. And Ishmael was nothing but trouble. Even to this day, he's trouble. That's what happens when you settle for second best. That's what happens when you don't wait out the Lord. If God puts us in certain circumstances where we have to wait, we must never stop thanking him because the waiting will mercifully spare us from a lot of miseries. And there are many dangers in life when we run ahead of God. Isaiah said in Isaiah chapter 28, verse 16, whoever believes will not act hastily. Isaiah said in Isaiah 30, 18, blessed are those who wait for him. So not only was the timing right to make this promotion for Joseph, but it was also the right person. It says in chapter 41, verse 39, it said, There was no one as discerning. Pharaoh said to Joseph, There's no one as discerning and wise as you. It took wisdom to figure out how to save the lives of these people and save the the, the, the land of the people through this seven years of famine. And Potiphar realized Joseph had all of the qualifications necessary for such a time as this. God had been preparing Joseph in the school of hard knocks for 13 years. But Joseph was now prepared by God for the position that Pharaoh gave him. And remember, God always prepares his servants for their calling. John 10, 36, Jesus said he was sanctified and sent into the world. He was sanctified first, and then he was sent into the world. Before God sends, he sanctifies. Sanctifies involves all that goes into divine preparation for service. If Jesus experienced sanctifying, then we for sure should expect to be prepared and trained. The sanctifying process isn't as enjoyable as the going out part. You know, preparation and and being equipped and all the training, that's not as enjoyable as going out and then, you know, starting the ministry. But it's just as important. You know, it's like a a soldier going to battle. 
You know, it, it, it's, he, he has to be prepared. He has to be trained in, in to do certain things. And, and all of it's in order to, to spare his life and the life of others. And it's not pleasant. But again, that training is, is, is critical. It's so important, again, to, to, for saving his life and, and, and the lives of others in, in, a, in a battle situation. So again, sanctified involves all that goes into divine preparation for serving God. A lot of people want to be sent. They want to go. They want to serve. But they want to skip out on the demanding preparation, training, and schooling for the job. But then they won't be ready for the job. And all you can expect is failure. If you want to be sent... You have to be trained. You have to be equipped. You have to be qualified. And you have to be ready for every good work. Pharaoh gave Joseph what he needed to do his job. In chapter 41 and 42, remember it said that Pharaoh gave Joseph his ring. Now that ring that that Pharaoh gave Joseph was, was the authority of the leader. Now, the ring was Pharaoh's signet ring. Now, they would have a ring, and on it would be, I don't know, maybe his picture or his, or his name, his initials. And when, that, when, that, when the Pharaoh would write a letter or send a message, and he'd seal it, he'd seal it with a, a, some wax, and then he'd put his, his signet ring in that wax. And whoever received that realized they were receiving an official letter or a law of some kind from the Pharaoh. It showed his authority. And the people who read it said, this is, this is law. We got we to follow up on this. We got to do whatever this, this message says. So Pharaoh gave Joseph his signet ring. All right. And again, it, when that, that, that signet ring was imprinted in the wax on a document, that made the document, the decree of the king, making it the law of the land. So when he gave Joseph his signet ring, it's telling now the people that Joseph has power. Joseph now has the power to make laws. It gave Joseph the power he needed to do his job. It gave him great authority. And then we read in chapter 41, 42, it said that then Pharaoh gave Joseph a robe. It says in 41, 42, Pharaoh clothed Joseph in garments of fine linen. Now, priests were a highly respected group in Joseph's day, so he would be dressed appropriately. Pharaoh would naturally want Joseph to be dressed appropriately, accordingly, for his honorable position. To be recognized by those that, that, that he had authority over. And then we read in chapter 41, 42, Pharaoh gave him rank. It says that that, that Pharaoh put a gold chain around his neck. That chain signified the upper class. It signified upper class of the leader. The ring gave Joseph authority, and the chain around his neck was a symbol of authority. And it would kind of be like, you know, the, the, the bars and the stripes and the stars on a military uniform. It signified rank. And based on the rank, it signified his power and his authority. And then it says that in, in chapter 41, verse 43, Pharaoh also gave Joseph a chariot. Man, he gave him a ride. It says, and he had him ride in the second chariot, which he had, and they cried out before him, bow the knee. So when they saw Joseph riding in the second chariot, man, the people would cry out, bow the knee, bow the knee. The chariot was the symbol of the approval of the leader. And when Joseph would ride down the streets and the highways of Egypt, the people would cry out, bow the knee. You see, Joseph had faithfully honored God, and now God was faithfully honoring him. And again, remember, he's a type of Jesus. And we come to Christ. He gives us those things as well. Joseph had faithfully honored God, and God was faithfully honoring him. Faithfulness to the Lord will bring honor from the Lord. And God will see to it that every faithful servant will one day be given his approval. And isn't that what we're waiting to hear? Enter in, that good and faithful servant. We're waiting for that approval. And then Pharaoh gave Joseph reputation. 
Pharaoh gave Joseph a new name in chapter 41, verse 45. And Pharaoh called Joseph's name Zaphnath Paneah. It was giving Joseph his good reputation back. In the world before Christ, we probably, we may not have had the best of reputation, but coming to Christ, if we're walking and we're obeying and, and we're following Christ, we'll have a good reputation. We'll have a good reputation. The name has been given, uh, the, the name uh, Zaphnath Paneah has been given meanings of salvation of the world, revealer of secrets, and prince of, and prince of the world. This would surely help Joseph's reputation among the Egyptians. And then Pharaoh gave Joseph a wife. In chapter 41, verse 5, it says, oh, uh, he, A wife, Asnath, the daughter of Potipharah. And Asnath, his wife, had two sons. And he named the first son Manasseh, which means forgetting. And I love this. Because Joseph said, Because the Father has made me to forget all the toil of my father's house. In other words, he said, you know, all that I went through, he says, the, 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 he, the God enabled me to forget all that I experienced in my father's house. That is, when his brothers hated him, when they sold him into slavery, when they wanted to murder him, that had to be a very t- a difficult thing. But he says, the father enables him to do that. And a lot of people have a lot of trouble forgetting the past. Forgetting things that have happened, things that they've gone through. Now, it, when it says forgetting, it doesn't mean that, that it was erased from his mind. What it means is that God will take the sting out of the things of the past. God will make it so that I can live through those things. They don't tear me up. I don't, I don't have the guilt over them anymore. I just, God removes the sting from the past that I used to have. So he named his first son Manasseh because God helped him, took the sting out of the past of that terrible time as a child in his father's house. And then, again, uh, again, and, and again, he had forgotten the sorrow and the suffering that he had experienced. It tells us that in chapter 41, 51. So this is a joyous reminder of God's goodness. Uh, again, it's not that Joseph's times of suffering was, like I said, erased, but God took the sting out of those sufferings. The second son he named Ephraim, which means fruitfulness. Joseph's God, Joseph said that God had made him fruitful in his afflictions in chapter 41, verse 52. Now, we usually don't connect or put together afflictions with fruitfulness. So this should encourage us as God's people because it says that those who are going through afflictions, they can rejoice. Their afflictions are designed by God to add to their fruitfulness and their blessings. So when afflictions come, name them or call them Ephraim. And thank God for them. The preparations needed for the famine that was coming were great. And so were the preparations for the service that Joseph had to perform for Pharaoh. In chapter 41, verse 46, we read that he, Joseph, stood before Pharaoh. This means he served Pharaoh. And it says in chapter 41, 46, it says as soon as Joseph was in office, no, he went out. As soon as he was in office, he went out. He took off to do his duty. You know, he didn't say, oh, man, this is great, man. I'm second in command. I got all of this power. I got all of this authority. I got this chariot. He goes, I'm just going to kick it here, man, and just relax. Nope. When he got to the offices, he went out to do his duty. A great famine was coming. He realized there was no time to waste. There were only seven years to get ready for this famine. Joseph just wasn't quick to do his duty. He he, he was also a hard worker in doing his duty. In chapter 41, verse 47 through 49, it said, Now in the seven plentiful years, the ground brought forth abundantly. 
So he gathered up all the food of the seven years which were in the land of Egypt, and he laid up the food in the cities. He laid it up in every city, the food of the fields which surrounded them. And Joseph gathered very much grain as the sand of the sea until he stopped counting because it was immeasurable. In those seven years, he gathered up so much grain. It was like the sand of the sea. He just quit counting. It was so much. You see, Joseph's preparations were orderly. They were organized and they were well thought out. Chapter 41, verse 48 said, he laid up in every city the food. You see, he laid up the food in every city so that he could hand out the food when the famine came. The sufficiency of Joseph's preparations are seen in the amount that he gathered. And and also where he stored the grain. He gathered enough enough grain to last through the entire famine and he stored it in a safe place so that it would be there and ready when it was needed. It says that Joseph collected one-fifth of the grain produced during the good seven years. And he gathered so much. Chapter 41, verse 49 says that he stopped counting it. Couldn't count it anymore. It was immeasurable. He stopped keeping records of how much grain was collected for the people or from the people because there was so much. And then the grain had to be stored in in a good place so that it wouldn't spoil. So Joseph, being the wise leader he was, he stored the food in granaries or storehouses, according to chapter 41, verse 56, which were in the cities, according to chapter 41, verse 48. And both the amount and the storage of the grain showed that Joseph did a thorough job. You see, the lesson here is to be thorough and to be complete and to finish the job if you want to accomplish anything worthwhile, especially because you're serving the Lord. Now, when the famine started, the Egyptians soon ran out of food. And like people today, they ran to the government for help. We read that in chapter 41, verse 55. When the land ran out of food, they ran to the government for help. Then what did Pharaoh do? Chapter 41, verse 56 says, he sent them to Joseph. It says, who opened all the storehouses and sold to the Egyptians. And we see two wise things in the selling and the prices of the food. Joseph was very wise to sell the grain instead of giving it to the people. You see, if he had given them the grain, he would have destroyed the Egyptians. How? Because the Egyptians, like many Americans, were notorious wasters. Joseph proved they were great wasters by doing more with one-fifth of the food supply that he collected, according to chapter 41, verse 34, than from the seven good years that the Egyptians did with the four-fifths, what was left over. Joseph did more with one-fifth than the Egyptians did with four-fifths of the grain. The Egyptians ran out of their four-fifths of grain just after the famine started. Now, the Bible doesn't tell us, you know, just when they ran out. But looking at Scripture, we can deduct that it was just after the famine started, probably in the first year. You see, the Egyptians were getting food from the government before Joseph's brother made their first trip to Egypt. They weren't invited by Joseph to live in Egypt after they made their second trip. And at that time, there were still five years left, according to chapter 45 or 6. So it's safe to say it must have been in the first year of the famine that the Egyptians ran out of food. I mean, they must have been really wasteful. Their four-fifths of the grain lasted barely seven years. But Joseph fed all Egypt plus other lands for almost seven years on just one How in the world did he do it? The answer is that he taught the Egyptians to be thrifty by making them pay for the grain. Having to pay for the grain from dwindling resources, the Egyptians were forced then to scrimp and to to save and to stop their wasting. You see, if the people had been given the grain, they wouldn't have had to practice being thrifty. And they would have run out of grain way before the famine was over. You see, what Joseph did not only kept Egypt from perishing in the famine, but it also greatly strengthened the nation. Joseph was a wise leader. 
I mean, what a lesson that the governments of the world could take and learn from what Joseph did here. What a rebuke it is to governments who perpetuate waste, perpetuate waste and ruin character with their constant handouts to those who don't want to work. How many people do we see now who don't want to go to work because they've been given these, these relief checks? you got job signs just about everywhere you look. Work needed. Hiring now. Why should I go out, man? I'm getting free checks. I can stay home. What a tremendous lesson the Word of God gives us for all areas of life. What Joseph did, like I said, not only kept Egypt from perishing in the famine, but it greatly strengthened the nation because Joseph was a wise leader. Man, we know that waste is not a good thing. Waste ruins character. But many people are guilty of it, not just governments. There's a lot of waste, you know, when we go shopping and buying things that we don't really need. We waste a lot of food. And, and you know, and, and I notice, and, 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 you know, Kathy and I say, uh, you know, you go to a restaurant and you see how much food is left over on the plates and it's thrown away. And I'm guilty of it. You know, you, there's, you, you, you can't finish a meal and the lady will come, oh, you want a box? I go, nah, I'm not going to finish it. And they take it and they just trash it. Americans waste a lot. We throw away a lot. If we really watched our spending, I think we see how much we spend needlessly and how much we waste. And maybe the problem isn't that we need more money, but a needed lesson in wise spending. Someone has said, maybe one of the best things that could happen to our country would be a depression. That's not as cruel as it sounds because a depression like medicine would stop many of the ills of wasting by stopping many of the habits of wasting. There were four different things that the people gave for the grain in Egypt during the famine. They, the people gave their money for grain of chapter 41, verse 56. They gave their cattle, chapter 47, 16. They gave their lands that they own in chapter 47, verse 20. And, they, and, they, and at last, they, they gave their lives to the service of Pharaoh in chapter 47, verse 23. They gave their lives to themselves in service to Pharaoh in exchange for grain. Now, at face value, that, that looks like a rotten deal. But they were very wise. It was, a, it was a very wise move on Joseph's part. When money ran out, Joseph was very wise to take the people's livestock because Joseph could provide better care for the livestock and he wouldn't waste so much in feeding them. Plus, by taking the people's livestock to pay for the grain, it would relieve a burden that was on the people that they didn't have to worry about anymore in trying to take care of them. They could hardly take care of their livestock. And then taking their lands was also a wise move by Joseph. The Egyptians, because of their wastefulness, had gotten themselves into a desperate situation. Paying for the grain was necessary. And if they owned lands, they needed to sell those lands to buy the grain when they said, hey, we don't have any more money or any other goods to pay for the grain. And then when the people had nothing left to give for grain but their lives and service to the government, Joseph moved the people to different cities. Now, Joseph has been criticized for doing this. But here's the thing to understand. The people didn't do this against their wills or unwisely. We read that in the passages. They sold their lands, thus giving up their their, their right to live on those lands any longer. They sold Joseph their lives, giving him the right to tell them where they were to live. So they were not to move against, so they, they weren't made to move against their will nor unwisely. And putting the people in the cities near the places where the food was distributed, that was a wise move by Joseph because it made giving out the food more efficient and more convenient. As convenient as possible for the people. So instead of criticizing Joseph, he should be applauded. Because Joseph, because the action that he took was, was, was wise administrative policies in a time of great national crisis. He kept the people alive, and in the process, he taught them how to live more economically. 
While we're talking about the different prices for the grain, again, we go back in, if you want, or, or note uh, chapter 47, verse 15. It said, money failed in the land of, the, of Egypt and in the land of Canaan. Money failed. Money failed in the land of Egypt just like it fails in many places today. Money is not always the answer to fixing all the problems in our society. We and other nations throw money at all of our problems in the world. We just don't seem to get it that money fails in so many areas. Money doesn't keep and hold families together. Jacob and Esau couldn't live together, according to Genesis 36, 7. Listen to what it says. For their possessions, Esau and Jacob, it says their, their, their possessions were too great for them to dwell together. And the land where they were strangers could not support them because of their livestock. Money cannot bring happiness, 1 Timothy 6, 9 through 10. But those who desire to be rich fall into temptation and a snare, and into many foolish and harmful lusts, which drown men in destruction and perdition. For the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil, for which some have strayed from the faith in their greediness and pierced themselves through with many arrows. 1 Timothy 6, 17, Paul said, Command those who are rich in this present age not to be haughty, nor to trust in uncertain riches, but in the living God who gives us richly all things to enjoy. And Paul said in 1 Corinthians 6, 6 through 8, Now godliness with contentment is great gain. For we brought nothing into this world, and it is certain we can carry nothing out. And having food and clothing, with these we shall be content. Money can't bring eternal security or eternal safety. Money can't buy us into the kingdom of God. The psalmist said in Psalm 49, 6 through 8, Those who trust in their wealth and boast in the multitude of their riches, none of them can by any means redeem his brother, nor give to God a ransom for him, for the redemption of their souls is costly. Redemption for our souls is so priceless. You can't put a value on it. That's why Jesus had to go to the cross. He paid the price. Money fails big time. But Joseph didn't fail the people. And it's a reminder of how Jesus will not fail us. The world and everything in it will sooner or later fail us. But Jesus never will. So we must never leave him out of our lives or we will be doomed to fail where it counts the most. And that's an eternal life. Apart from Jesus, we will never see the kingdom of God. The famine took a lot out of and from the Egyptians. The cost of the famine was huge. But you know what? They didn't come out on the short end of the deal. And they weren't, they weren't penniless after the famine was over. In return for what they paid the government for grain, they got food. And more importantly, it helped to improve their character and it made them a stronger and healthier nation. After the famine was over, they didn't complain to Joseph about him taking their money, their livestock, their lands, and their lives into service for Pharaoh. Listen to what they said in, back in chapter 47, 25. They said, you, Joseph, have saved our lives. Let us find favor in the sight of my Lord, calling Joseph Lord, little L. He was, their, he was their government official. He's the one who oversaw them. So he said, you, Joseph, have saved our lives. Let us find favor in the sight of my Lord, and we will be Pharaoh's servants. You see, Joseph had given them character, not money, and it paid off. Again, governments all over the world could learn from this story. We read in chapter 47, verses 23 through 25, after the famine, Joseph says, said to the people, Indeed, I have bought you and your land this day for Pharaoh. He said, Look, here is seed for you, and you shall sow the land. And it shall come to pass in the harvest that you shall give one-fifth to Pharaoh. Four-fifths shall be your own. As seed for the field and for your food, for those of your household, and as food for your little ones. So they said, the people said, you have saved our lives, Joseph. Let us find favor in the sight of my Lord, and we'll be servants of Pharaoh. They worked. The people worked the very same lands that they gave to Pharaoh during the famine in exchange for food. This working of the land was a very wise arrangement by Joseph. 
Why? Because it provided good work for the people. People working is healthy. It is healthy for any society. We have so many people, like I said today, who don't want to work today. Dorothy L. Sayers said this, Work is not primarily a thing one does to live, but the thing one lives to do. It is or should be the full expression of the worker's faculties, the thing in which he finds spiritual, mental, and bodily satisfaction, and the medium in which he offers himself to God. Remember in creation, back in Genesis chapter 2, remember what God told Adam after he created him? He said, it says, Then the Lord God took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden to, the far, to farm the land and to take care of it. Right after he created Adam, he put him to work. He didn't have, hand Adam a fishing pole and say, Hey, man, there's a lot of great lakes here, man, a lot of good fishing. Go out and enjoy yourself. No. He said, You go out. He put him in the Garden of Eden. He said, Farm the land and take care of it. Joseph wouldn't allow Egypt to be filled with a whole bunch of non-working people collecting welfare from the government. How much better our nation's welfare program would be if it required work before pay. Working the land also provided satisfactory wages for the people. Joseph told the Egyptians to keep four-fifths of the crop and give the other one-fifth to Pharaoh. Chapter 47, 24. He said, you guys keep one, you, get, you keep 80% and you give 20% to Pharaoh. I mean, that was really good wages for the workers. And some criticized this, saying it was high, a high tax to, that was put on everybody. But 20% wasn't just a tax, it was also agreed to and it was a very generous agreement. Even today, most farm agreements in our land, I was reading, are 50-50. Not 80-20 in favor of the farmer, like Joseph's arrangement was with the people. Edersheim, a Bible scholar, he said this, It is very remarkable that this production, 20% of giving on the part of Pharaoh's subjects afterwards, became the basis of that demanded from Israel by Jehovah, their heavenly king. Israel was to tithe, which is a tenth. Israel was to tithe, give a tenth in many areas. But they were also to give more than the tithe. Edersheim and others have figured the total amount to be around the 20% portion. So there is more basis for preaching, preaching that, the 20%, than there is for the preaching the tithe, the 10%. Now, we don't criticize in giving a tithe. But you'll find it hard to find in Scripture that the tithe is the percentage to guide all of our giving, or that's all that we, we should give to God. The Israelites were not only accused of robbing God by not paying their tithes, but also for not giving their offerings, their tithes and offerings. God said in Malachi 3.8, you have robbed me. But you say, the people say, but God, how have we robbed you? He said, in your tithes and offerings. Instead of using all the different kinds of fundraising programs that some churches use to raise money for the church, it would be better to preach on giving more than the tithe as the minimum. But a lot of God's people wouldn't like that. But that shows the lack of devotion that church members have when it comes to giving the Lord what belongs to Him, what He gave them. And it tells us why the Lord's work is hindered and why it takes a long time to get done. The Apostle Paul says in 2 Corinthians 8, 12, whatever you give is acceptable if you give it eagerly. He says, and give according to what you have, not what you don't have. Giving is proportional to income. You know, somebody makes a ton of money, you know, that makes a ton of money, 10% would, would be nothing, a drop in the bucket. Now, somebody who's a minimum income, hey, 10% would be a lot. And God doesn't want anybody to be penniless, but he says give in proportion to what you've been given working the land for pharaoh was wise because it supplied pharaoh with an adequate and consistent income for the main for taking care of the government so joseph was working for pharaoh as well and pharaoh greatly profited but not at the cost of joseph's integrity or at the cost of the citizens well-being they were taken care of 
Joseph was taken care of. Joseph was just, he was simply a sensible and spiritual leader whose whose strategies, man, they were excellent. And as a result, both those, both those who were ruled and the rulers would profit a lot and legitimately by Joseph's work in the government. Historians tell us that at the time that Joseph came into office in, Egyptian, in the Egyptian government, Egypt was, was quite a weak nation. But not long after that, Egypt became one of the strongest nations in the world. And we know the reason for this change was Joseph, the great leader. And he was the reason why he was totally devoted to the Lord. Totally devoted to the Lord. Can you imagine what this world would be like with, jo- with leaders like Joseph? Father, we thank you so much for this. Father, for this great story of Joseph, God. Not a fairy tale, but a true story. A biblical account of the life of Joseph. And God, how you used him. How you trained him, prepared him, equipped him. First, through the school of hard knocks, through the difficult circumstances that he had to go through. And then in time, your time, God, you raised him up. You gave him the things he needed to have in order to do the things that you called him to do. Father, help us. Lord, just as Pharaoh gave Joseph reputation, a ring representing power and the, and the gold chain, authority, and a robe. Lord, you've, as a believer, you give us those very same things, God. A good reputation. You give us authority. In the name of Jesus, there is power. We have a robe of righteousness that Jesus gives us that we put on his righteousness. And all of those things, the reputation Christ gives us. And so, Lord, let us, let us be devoted to you as Joseph was so devoted to you, Lord, or to, to Pharaoh. I'm sorry, to you. God, may we follow Joseph's example. May we wait patiently for the, for the, the times that you, that you place upon us, God. And knowing that you will never leave us nor forsake us. And that, God, that you want to be gracious to us. And sometimes you make us wait. That you may give us better than what we're asking for, God. So, Father, we thank you, we praise you, and we give you honor and glory. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.